You have one hour to get your daughter. All right, here we go. This is episode 40 of the TGE podcast. Today we're going to be speaking about John Wick, probably because John Wick 3 is currently in the theaters. Um, Tyler had the suggestion, and I am happy to oblige. Lots to talk about, other stuff coming up. Tyler, how are you? Good, and if anyone ever doesn't like our suggestions, please, please, please feel free to make some of your own. We are more than happy and often have the best time looking at clips uh, that are suggested by our listeners. And if that's you, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you for telling your friends about it. We appreciate how the word is spreading, how we see the listens growing from week to week. It's a very cool community to be a part of. We appreciate all the feedback, et cetera, et cetera. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Stitcher. <laughs> whatever you're listening to your podcasts on. We appreciate it. Nice. Nice. So last week we talked about Veep and we kind of have a little surprise. What happened, Tyler? Well, last week Sven wanted to do a different show. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> we decided to do Veep because of the finale, even though in that same podcast we made an ode not to try to be too trendy, although now we're just being as trendy as possible. But it, I think it, it works and it fits with the films that we're doing. And what happened is that we made a vow to always mention the editor which we didn't in the very same podcast. And Sven got an email from the editor of Veep. That, Not a bad one. That's right. Roger, Roger Nygaard. I don't know why you're asking me what happened. I'm just <laughs> like the secondhand source on all this. Uh, I don't know. I was just handing it <laughs> off so I can find the email, which I just did. So the editor of Veep, ah. Roger, emailed us and said, um, Hey, guys, I enjoyed your forensic of the opening Veep scene from season seven. If you want to have some of your questions answered, feel free to give me a call. I'll tell you all the secrets. Ha! On or off podcast. Roger Nygaard, editor. So, of course, I emailed him back and said, uh, yes, we would love to have you come on to the podcast and talk about uh, Veep and some of the stuff that we probably did get wrong. And now we have to eat our words. But we did, uh, I mean, I did say I bet you money that a certain part of this scene was actually written differently. So I'm really curious to find out if that's true. And he also is currently working on Curb Your Enthusiasm. So we'll have a chance to talk about that as well, hopefully. Yeah, a lot of shows we have wanted to lift the veil back in terms of the way that they're put together for the comedy. And you think we're going to be eating word? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to undersell it so that if... For any reason we got anything wrong, well, we can own up to it. Right, but I don't think prepared. this is like a cold case. This isn't a Forensic Files podcast. And also, I noticed you didn't say his last name. <laughs> Nygaard. Just to add to the, the pain. But I think it's going to be, it's, so it's Roger Nygaard, and he has like a really cool career. He's worked on all kinds of really amazing stuff. So it's going to be really fun and exciting to talk to him. It's going to be a little bit different for this show. So we're not sure exactly what form it's going to take, but we're going to talk to him I think this coming weekend, and then we'll kind of see whether that's going to be the episode for that week or if we want to do something a little different with it or what shape it's going to take. So we will keep you posted. So next week you'll be hearing that or another uh, traditional episode as we kind of cut that one together. Very good. Are we going to make him look at a clip? Are we going to make him look at a scene from Titanic and tell us? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would definitely like to keep up this idea that we're looking at some specifics and 
talk about that, not just general stuff, which can be really interesting in this case as well, how he went from, I mean, I saw he, he, was, he was a documentary filmmaker, did Trekkies, which I actually did see the premiere when it came out as a journalist, mm-hmm. and um, how he sort of made that transition. So I'd be very curious to find out how his career went. And how we can image uh, mirror that, yeah, and how it's still continuing. It sounds like he's like many people, multi, multi wears multiple hats. Yeah, and he still works on documentaries. He shared uh, the current project that he's working on with me, which is really cool as well. Very cool. So we can look forward to that. One other thing to touch on is that last night was the Game of Thrones finale, and. Megan McCain on The View has come under fire this morning for just openly talking about the final episode and giving away all the surprises, the spoilers on live television and, you know, said, why did, why do I have a card that says talk about the finale if I'm not supposed to talk about the finale? So she blamed the producers, but it really made me think about the complaints I got about not giving away any Game of Thrones spoilers when we talked about it. Now I'm feeling pretty good about it, Sven. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, we got flack for having no spoilers in the episode. She got flack for spoiling the episode. Interesting. I guess yeah, you get flack. As we learned from the finale, no one is ever going to be happy no matter what. Well, how was it? I didn't watch it. I haven't watched anything since The Dark Knight, which you call The Battle of Winterfell. and um, The Long Night. The Long Night. I thought it was dark. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> I I read that like wow. some people are petitioning that they should redo the season or something. Is this serious or is this just uh, just a small fraction of the fans? There's a, I think it's one million to one point five million people have signed a before the final episode even aired. Signed a change dot org petition asking for the final season to be rewritten <laughs> and refilmed. I I just think is hilarious. Yeah. On so many levels. Mostly just because it wasn't even out yet. It wasn't over. And it's just, I don't know, I think that it's amazing how reaction fuels so many things nowadays. Right. Some good comes of that. And some it's like, just beware, beware the power of this weapon. Nice. Well, it's an opportunity for HBO to make some more money, so maybe they should do it. Maybe this is the first time that (laughs) the season will be completely redone. Well, I don't know. I mean, I I, jo- we, I joked about Bohemian Rhapsody, like just remake it. That's what the name of the game is, right? Remakes, yeah. redos. Someone will do it. Yeah, why? I mean, I think maybe that was all part of the strategy. Was kind of, and we, they still have to wait for George R. R. Martin to finish it. I don't, you know, I have my opinion, but I don't want to share it because I don't want to get attacked from one side that will completely disagree. Okay, so well, I'll save it. Because I'm afraid, Sven. Beef. I don't want us to have to re-record this episode. Being 50% of a podcast, don't you think you need to have an opinion about everything and share it? I'm going to try not having any opinion. Okay. And see how that, see how that goes, because it seems like that's, the, that's what's being asked in nice. the world. No, I, I, thought, I don't know. I'm not, I don't think I'm attached enough to the show to publicly state my opinion. But there, there were, you know, much of it I found fulfilling. And I also especially enjoyed the characters laughing out loud at the way I thought the show was going to go. <laughs> they stated it and then all laughed out loud at it. And I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Very cool. All right. Good stuff. Interesting times to be living, to be alive, where you witness Game of Thrones, the most important show in the universe. I'm kidding. Um, 
like I said, I only watched one episode this season, and that's because it was part of a podcast. Otherwise, I wouldn't have watched it. But I'm really excited about John Wick. God. <laughs> this is a great segue <laughs> into what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Tyler, you picked this film. When was the first time you heard about this movie, the original? When I heard it? I mean, it came out in 2014. So, so you went straight to I the theater. Know. I saw a trailer promo. No, I did watch it. <clears throat> I guess there's people that are just finding out John Wick existed because of the kind of growing success of it right? with the third one. And I saw it. I'd, I'd heard about it and heard it was great, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, kind of knew the plot and was like, ah, okay. And then it, I watched it on video. Um, but I think that goes to the whole thing to show you how streaming, even with the Avengers films, we see with so many TV shows as well, really kind of helps build an audience for things that are currently going. So now it's kind of in a weird way through Netflix and wherever John Wick is being viewed, it's building this additional audience for when a new one comes out. Yeah. More people are primed to see it. Now, if I had time this weekend, I, I would have seen it. Right. Uh, I just didn't. And I haven't seen the second one. I've only seen the first one. And, and would, I don't you think say it's going to the, the last one. first one is kind of a sleeper, the way that it came out and became a success. I thought so, but looking a little bit at the box office of it, I was surprised. I mean, it did really well, I think, for like a movie like this. And I really wish there were more movies kind of operating in that price range where if it makes $40 million, it's like, okay, cool, that was successful. Because how much money do you people need? Good God. And I think that would kind of open up, you know, more opportunities for more interesting, more interesting stuff. Yeah. And I don't think that this is, you know, like we're not talking about uh, a woman under the influence. We're talking about John Wick, but still, I think things doing well in that price range is, is always cool. I agree. I mean, this is 2014. I think that movie, that $20 million action movie, is pretty much gone at this point. It's all replaced by Marvel and DC bullshit, and it's really hard for these movies <laughs> to even be made and then also be successful. And I think this one really proved a point. I mean, it's very reminiscent of, of older times, like before 2005 or so feels to me and um well i guess that's a good point i feel like stuff like fast and the furious like there's the hobbs and shaw movie coming out there's jason statham stuff there's those weird movies ensemble stallone does that kind of i don't know play in that ground but they kind of need to again have like a much bigger reception to be considered successful yeah. and i didn't you know, you just pointed out the thing I hadn't put my finger on about it, but like that kind of hard violence being successful, that's really, I think, the thing that's become more of a PG-13 thing. And yeah, I don't yeah. know, it's interesting. And yeah, it made 40, 50 million total, maybe it made 80 million in that first go. And then John Wick 2 made, made significantly more money. And then it looks like the third one is going to break all the records and... So now they have a franchise. Now they have a brand. I mean, they had it with basically building it with one and two. But now it, they can go bigger and bigger budgets and all that stuff. But it is a $20 million movie, the one that we're looking at today. And it's done so well. Wow. The storytelling is so clean and so simple. And really, I really enjoyed watching that film. Did you, you watch the whole thing? I I did not. I watched up to the scene <laughs> that we are going to be discussing today. And um, so this is like second act climax. I'm about 50 minutes into the film. And I watched it like an hour ago. And I fully enjoyed myself. Very cool. It was great. 
Very cool. Yeah, it's a really it's a it's a weirdly fun. And then looking back at it, it kind of has more value than I remember it having watching it because the guy's dog gets killed and he goes on a revenge spree. <laughs> you know, but it's kind of fun to see you know what can be done in that and how you know Keanu's a, a handsome man, but it doesn't have to be like a shirtless dude doing the splits or like jump kicks or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I should also point out the editor is Elisabeth Ronaldsdottir. She is from Iceland, and I was very happy to have her um, be involved in one of my YouTube videos, which is the one about Atomic Blonde and music editing, where she kindly gave me a couple of sound bites, which she edited as well, and talked about her process of cutting action and using music with action that kind of stuff and this applies to the scene as well actually we i brought that scene that we're talking about today is also in that youtube video as an example of music and action um so i was very, oh, very familiar cool. with that scene very cool so do you want to set this scene up his dog got killed he's going on a revenge spree yeah i would like to set up the also movie. the whole Fortnite tie-in the Fortnite tie-in with john wick is <laughs> i think the real mark of success is that the last number one movie was avengers and now John Wick has a Fortnite tie-in, which I find hilarious. That oh, what they is went, that? I'm, they went there with it. I'm not familiar with that. So what? Fortnite's that the huge, like, billion-dollar highest-grossing game ever. Yeah. <clears throat> you I, know, like, 100 million monthly users minimum. And there's a tie. they did a tie-in with the Avengers a couple of weeks ago, and now I saw that there's a John Wick one where you get to play in a John Wick suit. You can buy a John Wick character. Oh, okay, I see. So there's an avatar, a John Wick <laughs> avatar in there? Well, it's like a crossover where you get to, it's like a level that was created just to play as him. Gotcha. Like a challenge. Very cool. All right. So John Wick is a 2014 American neo-noir action thriller directed by Chad Stahalski and written by Derek Kolstad. Stars Keanu Reeves. And we also have Willem Dafoe in there. It's the first installment in the John Wick film series. The story focuses on John Wick searching for the man who broke into his home, stole his vintage car, and killed his puppy, which serves as a memento of his recently deceased wife, uh, played by Moynihan. Stahelski and David Leach directed the film together, though only Stahelski was credited. And David Leach is actually the director now of Atomic Blonde. So Elisabeth Ronaldsdottir and David Leach, they sort of moved on and they're still working together. Both of them, both directors are really stunt choreographers, stunt coordinators. And I believe Mm -hmm. they worked on The Matrix. Well, they also As went on to doubles. do Deadpool 2. Right. They did Deadpool 2. And then I think the current directors of John Wick were all, also worked on The Matrix in possibly the stunt capacity. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so the current John Wick movies are edited by Evan Schiff. And he used to be an assistant editor. <laughs> Which is safe to say of every editor except for Sven and one other. No, I, I, I worked for an assistant <laughs> editor for about... Six months. Okay, the Very film cool. The film used fight choreographers and gun-fu techniques from Hong Kong action cinema. It also pays homage to works such as John Woo's The Killer, Jean-Pierre Melville, Le Cirque Rowe, and Le Samurai, and John Boorman's Point Blank and the Spaghetti Western films. Yeah, I could see that. I think that's. it feels like that. The film was met with mm-hmm. positive reviews, with, with critics calling it one of Reeves' best performances and one of the best action films of 2014. 
It grossed 88 million worldwide against a production budget of 20 million. And there are two sequels. There we go. That's the setup. Very cool. So what are we looking at? He's he's in a club. He's trying to kill a guy. The guy goes running through the club. We're not starting at the beginning of this clip. We're starting at about 346. Right. This clip is uh, available on YouTube. We include a link in the podcast description. And we're going to start at roughly, what did you say, 330? 46. 330 is fine. 330. Let's go to 330, which is nice to see because there's a transition from one part of the club, which is like in the dungeons where there's a nice pool and the music is like easygoing. <laughs> it's a female vocal. It sounds very relaxed. And then we go into the main area of the club and it's like this techno-esque beating drum kind of stuff and there's still a very interesting dynamic range range to the action and the gunfight and the music mm -hmm. it's something to pay attention to yeah that's what i was going to say is that there's not a lot of quick cutting as you i kind of remember the movie remember the scene happening yeah but just the way that the action is choreographed with the lighting and with the sound design and music especially really give that kind of kinetic sense to it yeah i agree it's not cutty at all. All right, so I'm actually at 3.30. Okay, here we go. So we're in this, uh, we're in the middle of a fight, but this is the segment where he's like in the pool area and he's about to go upstairs and enter the main area. And here we go in three, two, one. <laughs> Shooting a couple more people. Running up the stairs. I miss him. And oh, here the we subtitles go. also I thought you'd be into. Those are great subtitles. And this is such a okay, cool so music he enters change the club. this visual with the spiral. Real nice yeah. hero shot of him as he walks slow-mo mm -hmm. through all the people dancing. When we cut to his POV, it's all frantic. He's following that Russian son that he wants to kill off because that's the guy that killed his dog and there are all these um, mm -hmm. um, what do you call these guys that are just the support team that thugs <laughs> heavies bodyguards yeah trying to pro protect the um, main guy here main villain I also like the care that goes into these like cool subtitles when what's being said is so unnecessary for the audience to hear it's like he's in the building yeah. you know <laughs> so we're now in a just adds to the area of this club it's brighter lots of columns reminds me a little bit of the matrix just in leather right and he's sure. shooting a bunch of guys working his way through that vip area he's entering now a gallery area Mm -hmm. Still got to kill a couple more guys. Lots of shots in the head. Wow. Here we go. It makes you wonder if he has a no slow-mo thing in his contract for gunfight movies. So I just realized there's like no slow motion in John Wick. Yeah, so we're in the to upper... give it distinction from the Matrix. Marquee area of the club. There's just an endless stream of bodyguards that just happened to come one by one so he has enough time to kill them all off before another guy appears. Mm -hmm. Like meandering around these columns, he still has eyes on our main villain who's basically wearing just a towel. 
big Russian <laughs> dude, no hair. And he and just <laughs> guns kill them just as quickly. And does he have a bulletproof suit in this? He does wear a we vest, a bulletproof vest. And he just got shot down. Oh, by gotcha. Just uh, to his vest. There we go. So Russian villain runs out of the club. There's a car that picks him up. He goes in, into the car. Drives off. Sean Wake's still inside. He's back in. Fairly beat up. I'm not sure. So this is like the assistant guy. This is the guy that's gonna be alive for a while in the movie. Mm -hmm. So he's not gonna be able to kill him in the second act. So there's gonna be a big fight between the two. And the guy can hold his own. It's all fist fight at this point. And he's gonna lift him up in a second. I'm a little early. Okay, there's a bottle, and he hits the bottle mm -hmm. on um, John Wick. Now he lifts him up, and he throws John Wick over the balcony onto the ground. This is a cut we should really talk about. Just a second. Okay. John Wick pulls a gun on him, <laughs> and the assistant runs away. He didn't hit him, so he's going to be safe at this point. But I know eventually he's going to die. That's just the formula. <laughs> John Wick steps out of the club. Phone rings. The Russian villain is calling him. And he tells him everybody pays a price nice. in Russian. And that was the phone of um, the villain's best buddy that he killed off at the beginning of the scene. Nice. Wow. Good job, Sven. I, I didn't know that uh, you were going to go so hard. You were so ready for this. Oh, yeah, baby. I'm pumped. <laughs> so, why? What's what's with that scene? What's so great about that scene? Well, a lot of things. One of the things I was going to point out is it's another great example of a fun of although we're calling it a scene, it's actually an extended sequence and kind of having that right. awareness to reset the table when new scenes are beginning. So, for example, that really cool shot of him walking in front of that spiral the spiral LED screen is just a good way of kind of it being set up to have that pacing break that yep. we're now in a new scene. That's at 349. Basically. And yep. Yeah, 348. There's a couple of cool points, stuff like that happens at where it's, you know, it's not just, it's a huge thing. It goes on for a while, but there are actually different sections and kind of changing the pacing of difficulty for him. I mean, it's all in the storytelling, all in the chore choreography, all in the action. But also in the editing, you kind of have to be aware of like when we're slowing down, when we're breathing, when we're upping the ante, when we're giving it a moment of pause and just, I don't know, it's almost like editing comedy where you just have to know how much the audience can take and then when to stop. Yeah, exactly. You can't just go hit, 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 hit. It just, uh, you can't, like it, just doesn't hurt anymore you need these moments where you build you attack and then you recover and then you build again and hopefully that second build is bigger than the first one and you just do this roller coaster ride where you have moments where you can just catch your breath again before you have the next um decline or the next plunge yeah and he's getting more yeah, he's more tattered as we go from bit to bit too, getting a little more torn up. Then we see the full effects of it at the end. Yeah. 
I thought at 355, it was interesting to note that his shot, his hero shot, as he's walking through the crowd and the cameras ahead of him, tracking him, that it's a slow-mo shot. That we really get this moment huh. of him like eyeing his target and going for it. Powerful. I mean, it may, it might, yeah, it's either slow or it's just kind of the way that the strobe lights are kind of hitting, kind of gives it that added effect. But it's a slight very slow-mo. Cool. It's not a, it's not obvious, okay. but when you look at it, it's probably twenty frames or something. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I mean, you can play with stuff like that, of course. But it, I don't know. Strobe lights have a, an interesting effect. Is yeah. all I will say, but we'll get to maybe we'll have that editor come spoil the truth. Nice. So, and again, if we actually like broke down like the pacing of the editing, I mean, it's pretty like a lot of these moments are working, especially because they're really paying out in you know longer shots where you get to see the real action choreography. And something else that's kind of cool about this film is when, and a few others, is when the action, when the fight choreographers actually get to do the movie, because this always happens on Hollywood films, it happens on every set I've been on where something is ornately rehearsed, sometimes for weeks and weeks and weeks, everyone has everything down, but the minute you get on set, or even after you're on set, you're still rehearsing it the way that everyone planned, the director will a lot of time most often for good reason like it just kind of starts changing like all that fight choreography kind of goes out the window a little bit in a weird way so you know it's actually you know so everyone's like adjusting at the last minute um and you know it adds time it creates it creates issues but ultimately leads to a good result but this is kind of a fun example where you know that you know there's so much preciousness in the action for this because it is the authentic vision of the, of the fight choreographers to not really see those kind of get diminished by second unit or the director is, is always cool to get to see. Oh, the editing in this particular case, I feel like the editing, like we're never really cutting on the hit. We're letting Mm -hmm. the fight play out. And then when it's appropriate to cut to a different angle to just get a better view on it, that's when we cut, but it's not like each hit is an edit. And this is really nice. This is, and I I don't know if it's because um, it's a female editor, but I feel like there's a sensitivity here that you don't see often in action films that are sometimes really have a very male point of view. Here, I feel like it has, it really gives the choreography the room to just be played out. And then the edit sort of is only an afterthought. It's really very much in the in the background of creating the action. Uh, it reminds me a bit of what Sam Mendes and Roger Deakins were doing with Skyfall. Okay. The Bond film. Yes. I thought that the, it was almost like these choreographed musical pieces versus in light, like celebrations of Roger Deakins' wonderful lighting rather so much than a specific action scene you're tracking. Yeah. I think it's also a, a different strategy as opposed to having a fight where you cover it from all different angles and then puz- puzzle it together. This is more, okay, we can choreography from A to B. He's walking from there to across the room and he's going to meet four different guys and he's going to finish them off one by one. You figure that out in the stunt choreography and then you have like two or three angles that cover it but that's basically a little segment or a little chapter and then you move on to the next one and you do it again so it feels much more um like a, a, a an arc that builds as opposed to this mashup 
Yeah, and I can, and I presume a lot of that has to do with the special, you know, TLC that's going into the fight choreography, and because I think a lot of times movies just, I mean, bad action scene stuff, we're just used to seeing it just kind of gets cheapened just by the necessity of of the requirements of production. So to really have people that really understand fight scenes, they're they're able to on this twenty million dollar budget, which again makes this even crazier. They're able to just really get the most value out of the fight scenes and really set stuff up so that the shooting is effective as possible. And I wonder if it was maybe like a fun breeze to edit instead of, you know, some $100 million movie where it's like, all right, this is the fight. Like, get 18 cameras in here and, you know, film it and good luck. Cutting scenes is actually not as difficult, according to Elisabeth Ronald-Stortier. She says that it's much more difficult for her to cut a dialogue scene where you really have to figure out when are you going to be on somebody at what what angle to really create keep the audience engaged with fight scene it's much more like she's just following the the choreography and the the amazing performances that are on screen and and just has to kind of just shape it a little bit but it's basically there well, it's much harder to map the choreography out for, you know, an actor speaking to another actor in terms of their emotional space yeah. than it is someone moving from this table to that table. So that that helps a lot, too, I think, is that it's, I don't know, much more physical work rather than emotional. Yeah. I want to take a look, look at so, the moment at 440. I was just going to say it's a fun example of editing that's happening at the planning stage. Yeah storyboards and all that stuff so if we go to 440 he's in this sort of vip area and he is in the middle of the room there's lots of columns like i said before this reminded me a little bit of the matrix with those that scene with the it was like in the elevator lobby and Mm -hmm. this is i think a good example of what we don't see Like, we only see what's on camera, right? So we don't see what's behind the camera. We get an idea what's behind the camera because it's cutting back and forth. But he's sort of in the middle of the room. There's about 15, 20 feet to doors on either side. He walks in there. He shoots a guy. And then he needs to reload at 440. Mm -hmm. Then he turns back and he shoots a guy coming through the door. And then at 442, he turns around and he shoots another guy coming through the other door. Now, what we don't see, but if you really think about it, that guy had to have seen him as he was turned away from him for, and he's already like 15 feet into the room. And he decided not to shoot him. Like he just walks up to the mm. guy and wants wants to do what, right? What's the point? What he would really do in real life is he would see John Wick as he's turned away from him shooting the other guy and he would just shoot the shoot him. Shoot him dead, right there at that moment. But we don't question the logic of the scene because it's so happening so fast and we don't <laughs> see that guy coming through the door because that's not the angle that we're seeing. And if you really think about it, this is it's a clear moment where John Wick would have been fucked. And there's a lot of these moments where we don't see really how these guys are walking up to him, where they have plenty of opportunities to kill him, and they never do. They just sort of wait their turn to be finished off. And that works, because we as the audience, we don't really have a chance to think about that. Yeah, and there's little teases and stuff to kind of show... I don't know, little things like... You know, I guess the hero in these movies... 
I'm not going to argue that it's at all possible that any of this could happen, but um, there's little teases of things just to keep you hooked in too. Like, I mean, just the, the whole the whole advantage the hero has of being in the middle of a bunch of dudes that don't want to shoot each other, um, and you can kind of see the moment of the guy has the guy's hesitation before he ducks and hides. But yeah, I think that's a great that extension of disbelief, which is inherent through every movie, is yeah. is great to really realizes being milked in this stuff to keep the action alive. And the challenge for the filmmaker is to really make us believe and not break that suspension of disbelief. So you got to be really like your craftsmanship has craftsmanship has to be really perfect so that we keep believing Mm -hmm. the realism. All right. I would love to move on to seven minutes. That's the moment where John Wick gets thrown over the balcony. And this is something mm-hmm. we talked about before. So if you see him at 6.59, the assistant guy, who's not going to die here, is picking him up and he's throwing him over the balcony. And at 7.01, 7.02, we see the reverse angle from downstairs as he's falling down. If you go back frame mm-hmm. by frame you can see a nice little double action here. So in the first shot, he gets thrown over, and he's already past the railing. And then we cut to 701, and he's throwing him over again. So this double action, you don't notice when you're watching it. Your eyes are just glossing over it, but it creates this nice effect to make this really impactful to make this magnify. And we talked mm. about this before on the YouTube channel with the John Claude Van Damme movie, how overlapping yeah, The overlap action, edit. Yeah, the overlap edit mm-hmm. really helps to magnify punches or these moments that are significant in terms of action. Yeah, and then the other thing that's cool about this is the way that it's done, again, celebrating stunt work with these filmmakers is... It doesn't cut on him hitting the ground. It cuts, and we really see a stunt person take this fall yeah, yeah, and land hard on something that doesn't look soft. Very good point. I feel like there is like a hidden cut, an invisible cut in there. Let's see. Uh, I don't know what it would be. It's just before he hits the ground. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right, it's so it's less of a fall? 7.02. I could see that. I feel like it's a different I guy. I, and if you freeze on him, yeah, he that's the stunt guy. You can see his face. Well, oh, maybe. I don't know if they're really like changing guys with that. They true. definitely they are like... To. But I do think there's something to be said about a cut possibly happening at... Like in the 702 range. Yeah. S- maybe it's just which would allow... Player. Well, it's 7.02. Well, yeah, I mean, 7.02, that's a lot happens in that second. <laughs> the dude's totally not Keanu. Um, you can see, like, but you could see how as it's panning down, you could do a flash cut to a guy that's jumping off onto that spot on the floor from like a lower height. Yeah, that's probably right, what, as it's panning what they might be hiding there. That because he's mm-hmm. really hitting the ground and maybe that ground is not as cushy because you would see any kind of give in the floor. Yeah, exactly. So maybe I mean, they can always cut stuff out with wires and et cetera, et cetera. But I think that, yeah, it's not a soft landing he's making. So this is a guy that's just falling from like two feet onto the ground. 
instead of yeah, quite possibly twenty five feet, which is a good little trick and really effective. Because yeah, oh my god, I think I definitely saw it happen. The cut because they have the stroby thing too. Yeah, it's just hard to pinpoint it because so much happens with. Oh, I definitely see it if you watch it back a couple times. You can see it with the legs right there in like sort of different positions. Yeah, yeah. But the fun thing about doing the cut that way instead of matching it perfect is it kind of adds to the violence of it in a fun way. Yeah. And maybe they even had a shot without a pad on the ground. Oh, I could tell. We could do this. We should recreate this for the channel. For the first five listeners that comment, we will throw you off a building. <laughs> yeah, I see how they did that. But that's cool the way that it's cut because you get to really see. Yeah, so it to adds be, to the impact kind of having the leg out and stuff. To be really clear, so the first shot where we're looking from low angle up to the balcony and he's falling down probably had a pad in it, on it. So he's falling onto some soft something. Yeah. And then or he's on wires and he's being stopped or something. And then they cut to another yeah. shot. And this camera is probably motion tracked so that the movement is exactly the same. And that mm-hmm. guy just falls from two feet onto the ground. Jeez, editing and filmmaking are so magical. And we're just really, <laughs> really just taking it apart. Yeah, well, it's so it's cool to get to away know. with that stuff as an editor. But then does it go back to Keanu? Oh, I guess it goes dark, so it doesn't matter. Well, and then it's no, not until we punch in. It then cuts to a completely different angle, closer shot of Keanu. Right, right, right. There's another little overlap yeah. there. And then he looks up at the assistant. Right. And then we finally see what he was going for in his back, Yeah, which I couldn't really figure out before. <laughs> He's just always got a gun. Yeah. Man, they love hitting that glass also. <laughs> yeah, Anytime someone's miss. standing in front of like... Yeah, well, it's just because the glass is like magnetic to bullets, I think, <laughs> is the issue. But no, I mean, all that stuff's great. And like all those indicators and of like the action going on, like that's the stuff you need for the drama that I guess adds to like the truth of the moment. And of course, like John Wick is v- more so than, you know, any other type of movie, a John Wick type of movie is not realistic. And... I don't know, almost harmful in his representation of gun violence, <laughs> right? But yet, you, that expen- extension of disbelief just adds to the experience. Yeah. Maybe just a couple more uh, little nuggets here from Elizabeth Ronald-Sautier. She said that she originally was cutting a lot of music videos and dance choreography, and that music and dance is something that she really sort of has a natural inclination to, so it was fairly mm-hmm. easy for her to cut action especially like Kung Fu and very all this. Very cool. Because it's, um, it's very similar to that. Well, uh, that's what, yeah, looking at this, I was thinking about that, that there's something very, I, I don't know, of, 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 yeah, I guess the world of dance, like a ballet about it. That So that's cool that that's, that's the draw for it. Yeah, and then another little tidbit is that the music actually in there is something that she heard when she was at, I think it was either a Polish festival or Czech Republican film festival. And she, that band was playing in in a club there at a party and she was like, hmm, this is kind of an interesting song. I could probably use that in my next movie. <laughs> so the message, go party it in clubs in Prague. Yeah. But I'm not sure whether it's this particular song or the one previous to this. Could be either one of them. 
All right. So gotcha. this is this is what I got. How are you on time? Good. I think that I have a confession to make, and maybe someone has some help. While I was watching Game of Thrones because of the issue with the long night, the darkness, I started like really, really. I had like this these scratch. What I thought was a bunch of dirt where I opened my my laptop at the the top of the screen near where the camera is. Uh-huh. And so I was just scrubbing it kind of while watching Game of Thrones and, and emphatically and realized that I took a big chunk of the anti-glare off while I wasn't really paying attention. Oh, wow. So I just figured this podcast was a place to share that. Uh, so be careful, folks, you. when you're watching your Game of Thrones because I don't know how to fix that. Oh, well. <laughs> I feel for you. Man. All right. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please let your friends know. If you have worked on these films and you would like to dispel them, please, please send us an email. We're happy to talk to anyone. We think that's going to be a fun new chapter of our John Wick saga. Yeah. And if and you have any questions, by the way, any listeners to the editor of Veep or and Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, please send them mm-hmm. our way and we'll, we'll incorporate them in the podcast. Sorry, continue. Hey, Sven, where does someone make comments for this, this guy, podcast? Thisguyedits.com slash comment. Very cool. You could also find Sven on Twitter. You could access his Facebook page. You could check out his Patreon. It's all there. And I want to hear more about how the class is going. Yeah. If you'd like me to hear and tell a friend, I think I might already said that, but uh, subscribe to the podcast. Yeah. And thank you to Curta for the music. A new album, I think, is dropping this week. And as Sven always says... Happy editing. Hi, we did it. We got it done in time, didn't we? With time to spare.